Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. Well, good morning and welcome. Uh, For those of you that I haven't met before, my name is Daniel and I am the the pastor here. Good to be with you today. Uh, This morning we are continuing our sermon series that is all about healing. Uh, We've said that uh, one of the most persistent images of God that we get throughout the entire Bible is that God is healer. And so in this sermon series, we're looking from several different angles at this question of what does it mean for us that God is our healer. Uh, Before we dig into today's message, uh, our scripture reading, we actually have uh, two scripture readings today. Uh, The first one is from Psalm 147, and this is verses 1 through 3. And it says this, Praise the Lord, because it is good to sing praise to our God, because it is a pleasure to make beautiful praise. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem, gathering up Israel's exiles, God heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Uh, Our second scripture reading for today comes from uh, the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 5, starting with verse 21. It says, uh, Jesus crossed the lake again, and on the other side, a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Jairus, one of the synagogue leaders, came forward. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and he pleaded with him, My daughter is about to die. Please come and place your hands on her so that she can be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A swarm of people were following Jesus, crowding in on him. A woman was there who had been bleeding for 12 years. And we'll skip down to to verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking with her, Messengers came from the synagogue leader's house saying to Jairus, Your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? But Jesus overheard their report and he said to the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid. Just keep trusting. Jesus didn't allow anyone to follow him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the synagogue leader's house and he saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Jesus went inside and and he said to them, What's all this commotion and crying about that the child isn't dead? She's only sleeping. Well, they laughed at him, but he threw them all out. And then taking the child's parents and his disciples with him, he went into the room where the child was. And taking her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, young woman, get up. Suddenly the young woman got up and she began to walk around. She was 12 years old, and they were shocked. He gave them strict orders that no one should know what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So there's this line uh, that kind of jumps out to me in the psalm that we read uh, a minute ago. Um, I don't know if this jumped out to you, but Psalm 147 verse 3 says this. It says, God heals the brokenhearted. And God bandages their wounds. God heals the brokenhearted. And God bandages their wounds. I think that's a a beautiful verse. And I think it's an important reminder to us 
of God's healing work in our lives. You know, which one of us doesn't have uh, experience with a, a broken heart? Which one of us hasn't experienced wounds in our lives? So, so to be reminded here that, that God is our healer uh, is good and beautiful and, and it's important. However, having said that, uh, at the same time, uh, I can't help but notice as I think about this verse that it is a little bit vague. Um, did you notice that? It's a little bit abstract. It's a little bit lacking in the, in the specifics. Um, and it, it can kind of uh, raise some questions for us. Like, you know, that's, it's good to be reminded that God is, is healer uh, in general. But the pain that I carry is not pain in general. It's, it's very specific. I, I feel it. The pain in my heart is not general pain. It's, it's specific to me. And so what is God doing about my pain right here and, and right now? Uh, for those of you who grew up in church or if you've spent much time in and around the, the church, um, oftentimes when somebody is going through a hard time, somebody is struggling with something, uh, we, we church people, we will say to that person, you know, keep, keep trusting in, in God's healing love or, or keep trusting in, in God's healing presence. And um, that, that's a good reminder and it's important. And it's not that it's not true, it, it is true. Uh, but kind of like the, the verse in this psalm here, it's also a little bit vague. Uh, I mean, when can we expect God's healing? Uh, what kind of healing exactly are we looking for? How will we know it when we see it? Uh, are, are there specific things that God does to heal our pain? A lot of times these, these more specific kinds of questions, they can go unanswered. And, and if we're honest, uh, for, for some of us, um, all of this over time, if it just stays vague and general and, and pretty abstract, it can start to sound kind of cliche, right? And, and we can begin to wonder, is all of this healing talk that we hear in the Bible, is all of this healing talk that we hear in the church, is it really just talk? I mean, is this just like stuff religious people like to say to, to make themselves feel better? Maybe you found yourself wondering that at one time or another. Uh, my point with all of this is that when we're going through a time of pain in our lives, we don't just want to know that God heals us, right? But we want to know what specifically is God doing about it. In other words, we want to know how. How is God going about healing our pain? Uh, that's a good question. It's a question I'm, I'm sure many of us have wrestled with. I'm sure uh, if we ourselves haven't wrestled with it, you know people in your lives who, who have wrestled with this question. So that's the question that I want to try to speak to today. Uh, how does God go about healing our pain? Now, before we go any further here, uh, I do want to clarify something that I think often trips people up when, when we're thinking about how God heals us. You know, sometimes God's healing comes to us in the form of like a, an instantaneous kind of a, a miracle. I'm sure we've all heard stories about somebody who had a disease or somebody who had an illness and then uh, suddenly they were just instantly healed. Or uh, maybe you've heard of someone who had some sort of broken relationship in their life and, and just like suddenly, miraculously, that, that relationship was instantly healed. Uh, certainly, Scripture has plenty of stories of people being healed in, in that kind of way. Uh, however, it's important for us to remember that most of God's healing work actually doesn't happen in that instantaneous kind of way. Uh, even within Scripture, most of God's healing work doesn't happen in that kind of way. 
And so as we think about our own lives and our own pain uh, and how God relates to that, if all that we're looking for is just this sort of dramatic, obvious kind of of miracle, um, then we're setting ourselves up for disappointment and we're setting ourselves up for discouragement and and even skepticism over time if if we're not seeing the the kind of healing that that we had expected. Um, So uh, the, the, the truth is that uh, even when we're not getting the, the kind of quick fix for our pain that we might hope for, uh, the truth is, nevertheless, God is working healing in our lives. God is. But again, the, the big question is how? How is God going about healing our pain? Well, as we think about that question, I want us to spend a little bit of time with this story that we just heard in Mark chapter 5 uh, here. Now, on the surface, you may have noticed this when I was reading it a minute ago. On the surface, this looks like just another one of those miracle stories in in Scripture. uh, And we we can think, well, uh, I'm not getting this kind of miracle in my life, so therefore this story just doesn't relate to me. Um, The truth is, though, when we dig a little bit deeper, as we're going to do in a minute, what we see is that actually this story is full of stuff that does apply to us. Um, because in this story, we're actually seeing three specific ways that God works to bring healing. We're seeing three specific things that God does. I'm sure there's a, a million other ways that God brings healing in our, our lives. But in this story, we're seeing three. And I want to point these out because these actually aren't unique to this story. But these are characteristic. These are things that we see God doing over and over throughout Scripture. And my hope is that by the time we get to the end of this sermon, you'll be able to think about your own life and whatever pain it is that you're carrying, and you'll be able to see how God is working in these three ways uh, in your life right here and right now. So let's take a look at this story. Um, It starts out like this. Uh, Jesus is out and about. He's traveling around as he so often does. Jesus is like always on the move. And he's going through this one town or, or this one village And um, suddenly this man runs up to him and we're told that this is a guy named Jairus and he's actually the leader of the local synagogue there. So Jairus runs up to Jesus and he's got this look of desperation on his face and and he throws himself at Jesus's feet. And then we find out why Jairus is feeling so desperate. Uh, He he starts pleading with Jesus and he says, Jesus, uh, please come quickly. It's my daughter. She's sick. And now she's about to die, Jairus says. He says, so Jesus, please come, come with me. Come lay your hands on my daughter so you can heal her so that she can live. For those of us who are parents, I know this is like our our worst nightmare. We can just imagine the, the kind of pain that Jairus was feeling in this moment. Now, I want us to pay very close attention here to how Jesus responds. Because in the way that Mark narrates this story to us, he's not just telling us that Jesus heals our pain. But Mark is showing us specifically how. How. Uh, So what does Jesus do? Well, after Jairus begs Jesus to come and heal his his daughter, does Jesus just like snap his fingers and instantly the girl is healed? No, that's not what happens. Does Jesus just say the word and, and instantly the little girl is healed. No, that's, that's not what happens either. But Mark says this. This is Mark 5, verse 24. Mark says, So Jesus went with him. Talking about Jairus. So Jesus went with him. In other words, Jesus chooses to walk alongside of Jairus back to Jairus' house where his daughter was. 
Now, that may seem like a, a small detail in the story. That may seem like it's not a big deal, but it actually is a really big deal because in doing this, Jesus is demonstrating uh, one thing that God does to bring all of us healing, and that is that God comes to be with us right where we are. God shares in our pain with us. In this scene, we see that Jesus is not avoiding Jairus' pain, but he's entering right into it. And God does the same thing for you, and God does the same thing for me as well. This is the whole reason that Jesus came into this world, to be Emmanuel, to be God with us, to, to share in whatever it is that we're going through, so that no matter what, we can know that we are never, ever, ever alone. Now we might ask, okay, well, that's great that God is with us, but, but how exactly does that bring healing to uh, our, our pain? How does that help? Well, here's how it helps. You may have experienced this. Part of what makes pain so painful is that pain very often leaves us isolated and pain often leaves us feeling like we're all alone. I'll give you an example of this. Um, some of you know that I have a couple of small kids and they are super into Pixar movies right now. And so lately we've been watching a lot of Toy Story. And there's this, this great scene uh, in Toy Story that's a, a good illustration of, of what I'm talking about. Uh, I know many of you already know the, the Toy Story movie and are familiar with it, but um, the main character is this toy cowboy, this toy sheriff named Woody. And at the beginning of the movie, Woody is the, the favorite toy of his owner, who's this boy named Andy. And Woody is the favorite among the other toys. They all look up to Woody. They consider him their leader. Uh, but then shortly into the movie, um, Andy, the little boy, he gets a new toy called Buzz Lightyear. And pretty quickly, Buzz kind of takes Woody's place as the favorite toy. Not just for Andy, the little boy, but also among the other toys as well. Whereas they used to look to Woody as their leader, and they used to look up to Woody, now they look up to Buzz as their kind of primary hero and their, their primary leader. And of course, that leaves Woody uh, feeling usurped. You know, he's, he's feeling grief, he's feeling pain and, and hurt. And part of what makes Woody's pain so painful, the movie does a great job of drawing this out is that none of the other toys experience the pain that Woody is feeling. They're all super in love with this new toy named Buzz. And so Woody is isolated and he's alone in his grief that makes his pain even more painful. Uh, well, obviously that's just a kid's movie, but it's, it's such a relatable uh, scene when that happens because I'm sure this is something that most if not all of us have experienced at some point in our own lives. You know, it could be that uh, maybe you had this experience, like back in high school, uh, you, you got broken up with, you got dumped or something like that. For, for whatever reason, you were feeling depressed and then it's lunchtime and you find yourself in this crowded cafeteria and there's all these teenagers and they're laughing and they're screaming and everybody's just having a, a great time. And there you are feeling depressed about something. And because you're just emotionally isolated, your, your pain is that much more painful in that moment. Nobody else feels what you're feeling. That's so hard. Uh, maybe you've been through a season where you are applying to, to different jobs and maybe you had friends who are also applying to, to jobs as well and it seems like everybody's getting offers and everybody's finding the jobs that they want. You looked at LinkedIn and it seems like everybody's got their dream job and, and yet you keep getting passed over and, and it's painful and you feel like you're all alone. Uh, it could be that at some point you've lost a loved one. 
And like every holiday season, you have friends and acquaintances and everybody's all excited that they get to go and spend time with their loved ones, but you don't get to do that. And so you're, you're isolated, you're alone in that particular feeling. All of that makes pain even more painful. Well, my point with all of this is that one of the ways that God brings healing to us is God overcomes that sense of isolation. God overcomes that sense of aloneness because Jesus comes to be God with us. Jesus comes to show us that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're carrying, no matter what we're facing, we are never, ever alone. Uh, this is actually one of the reasons why we Christians uh, pay so much attention to the cross. It's why we have symbols of the cross in, in church and, and many places uh, elsewhere. Because when we look at the cross, we remember that, that Jesus himself experienced even the pain of death and even the isolation of death itself. And so we know that even in the face of death, God is with us and we are not alone. So again, one of the ways that God brings healing to all of our pain is God shares in it with us. And we see Jesus embodying that in this story as he chooses to walk back with Jairus in this moment of pain, back to Jairus' house where his daughter is. Well, as the story continues here, uh, along the, the way back to Jairus' house, Jesus ends up getting stopped by this woman, and, and she's also very sick. And Jesus ends up healing her. That's a story for a different day. But because he got delayed, um, by the time Jesus gets to Jairus' house, the worst has already happened. The, the little girl had actually passed before Jesus could get there to heal her. Uh, so, so most of us can only imagine, and I hope none of us ever have to experience the, the depth of pain that Jairus did when he got that devastating news that his daughter had past. And yet, um, once this news uh, arrives, what we see is that Jesus doesn't leave the scene. Jesus doesn't give up. But instead, he actually turns to Jairus and he says to him, don't be afraid, but just keep trusting. Don't be afraid, but just keep trusting. Uh, well, what Jesus does next would be easy for us to overlook. In fact, I overlooked this particular detail um, every time I read the story until this week when I was studying it a, a bit more closely. Um, when Jesus gets to Jairus' house, he doesn't just take Jairus and the little girl's mother inside the house with him, but for some reason, Jesus also decides to take three of his disciples inside the house as well. He takes Peter, James, and John along with Jairus and the little girl's mother inside the house. Now, why does Jesus bring the disciples along in this moment? Well, I think one reason is that Jesus knows that it's going to help Jairus and the little girl's mother in this painful moment. It's going to help them to have a community of faith that is surrounding them. He knows that, that one thing that Jairus and the little girl's mother need is they need a community in this moment of other believers. And the reason I'm highlighting this is because Jesus actually does the same thing for you and Jesus does the same thing for me as well. That one of the ways God brings healing to us is that God calls us into a community of faith. What we're getting here is this kind of image, this kind of metaphor of the church. Now I know as I say that, that many of you have had less than awesome experiences of church in your past. And I think we can all agree that the church often falls short of its calling. But when, when we get church right, and when we do it right, a church becomes this place where we can 
come and, and be honest about our pain, where we don't have to hide the struggles that we're going through. And church becomes this community where we can like come alongside of each other and we can offer each other support and encouragement and, and companionship. And all of that just makes our pain less painful. So that's one reason that God calls us into a community of faith. We'll come back to that in, in just a minute here. Well, as the story goes on, uh, finally, Jesus enters the room where the little girl's body is. And here's where we see the, the miraculous healing. Jesus takes the little girl by the hand and he raises her up to new life. Um, and, and even though it would be easy for us to say, well, that's a kind of miracle that I'm not experiencing in, in my life, there, there is something here for every single one of us. Uh, you know, um, as Jesus raises the little girl, uh, this is actually a foreshadowing of Jesus's own resurrection. And as Christians, we believe that in Jesus's resurrection, uh, he has overcome all the forces of evil in this world. In Jesus's resurrection, he's overcome all the forces of sin and death in this world um, so that those have been defeated forever. And God's promise to us is that our day of resurrection is coming too. That just like Jesus and because of Jesus, we too will be raised and we're told that when that happens on that day, all of creation will be completely healed. So healed that pain itself will be no more. Pain itself will be no more. That's God's promise to us. And that promise itself has a healing effect in our lives even right now. Um, how does that work? Well, uh, another thing about pain that you may have experienced is part of what makes pain painful is that when we're in the middle of it, it can feel like it's never going to end, right? When we're in a time of pain, it can feel like it's always going to be this way, always. This is part of why the pandemic, I think, has been so painful for so many of us is like we can't see how it's going to end. We can't see when it's going to end. We, we, we're not even sure what end would even look like. Uh, it's painful when, when we're in that place. But, but through the promise of resurrection, God promises us that, that we don't have to worry about that because God has destroyed this, this illusion that, that pain won't ever come to an end. Our, our pain will be healed. It will. God has shown us a glimpse of the end in the resurrection of Jesus and, and the end, is, there's no pain at all, but there's only healing. There's only healing. So to sum all of this up and, and to recap, if I lost you along the way, if I put you to sleep, wake up for this part, here's the, here's the summary. In this story, we're seeing uh, three specific ways, three characteristic ways that God brings healing to our pain. Number one, God shares our pain with us. Uh, number two, God calls us into a community of faith. And number three, through the promise of resurrection, God promises us that our pain will never, ever have the last word for us. Let me say that again. Uh, number one, God shares in our pain with us. Number two, God calls us into a community of faith. And number three, through the promise of resurrection, God shows us that our pain will never, ever get the last word for us. So as we reflect on what all of this means for us right here and and right now, I want to encourage all of us to, to really lean into number two there, to, to really uh, intentionally invest ourselves in a great church community. Because when we do that, uh, when we make it a habit, for example, to, to participate in worship every week, 
when we invest ourselves in ministries like a small group or a Bible study, when we show up and volunteer at the church to help make church happen for other people, when we volunteer through a mission project and serve our neighbors in the wider community, as we're doing all of that, one of the things that's going to happen is that we develop friendships within the church. We develop these relationships and we start to get these brothers and sisters and siblings in our lives who can remind us of how God is healing us when we need to be reminded. We get these people in our lives who who can remind us that that God is with us. We, We get people in our lives who can remind us that our pain is never, ever final. Because the truth is, uh, as we're going through life, it's really easy to forget these promises. It's really easy to overlook the ways that that God is bringing healing to us. Um, And so it's so important to get these reminders. And and here's the thing. uh, If we're not invested in a great church community, where are we going to get those reminders? Where are we going to hear the good news? Uh, Where are we going to find people who are close enough to us and faithful enough to, to remind us of God's healing when we need it. Those kinds of Christian friendships, they, they usually don't emerge out of a running club or a book club or, or with our work friends, as, as great as those can, can sometimes be. Um, but, but those uh, kind of friendships and, and those reminders come from being invested in a great church community. So I want to encourage you, uh, if you're not already plugged into a, a great church, uh, find one. Obviously, we would love to have you connect with us here at Kindred. Um, And for the rest of us, if you're already plugged in and you're already invested here, um, make it intentional to to keep it that way, right? Like we need to recommit ourselves to investing in this great church community. When we do that, uh, we can experience God's healing in our lives, uh, sometimes in ways we're not even conscious of. And as we come alongside of others within a church community, um, we can offer others the gift of healing, even as we ourselves are being healed. We'll unpack that a little bit more in next week's sermon. Uh, But as we come alongside of each other, we can offer each other healing, even as we ourselves are being healed. Let me pray for us. Oh, healing God, uh, we are so grateful to you that you care about us enough to, to give us the healing that we need. Lord, we confess that oftentimes when we read scripture and and we come to church and we hear all of this talk about the ways that you heal us, um, a lot of times it's very vague and it's very abstract, Lord, and and we can kind of uh, wonder, is is there any substance here? Is there any practicality to, to this? And so we're so grateful for stories and examples like we get in this passage in Matthew, and excuse me, in Mark uh, chapter five, God, where we see not just that you are healer, but we see how you are healer. Lord, we thank you for sharing in our pain with us so that we are not alone. We thank you for calling us into a great community of faith where we have brothers and sisters and siblings to surround us and journey with us. God, we thank you for the promise of resurrection and new life, for the promise that our pain will never, ever get the last word, Lord. Uh, Help us to remember these things. Help us to remind each other of these things so that we can experience uh, in fullness the healing that you bring to us. We pray all of this in the name of our great physician, your son. Amen. Well, friends, thanks again for tuning in uh, to worship today. Uh, It's been good to be with you. I hope you have a wonderful week and may the peace of Christ be with you.
listeners. This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives, and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select Give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.